Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we are coming to you live from the Quicken Loan Studios, National Mortgage Lender, Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. One hour from now, Kendall Gammon going to join us. CBS Sports Radio right here on the show, but he is courtesy of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. He's our radio analyst there, but joining me on the show right now, John Breach. Find him on Twitter, at John Breach, CBS Sports NFL writer, joining me on the show right now. John, hello. Ken, how are you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Uh, all right, John, I want you to be gentle with me, okay? Okay? I'm going to ask you something here, and I want you to just don't don't kill me for this. Uh, do you or do you not believe that there's any sort of chance in hell that I could give you an argument to say that the Eagles should keep Nick Foles over Carson Wentz? Oh, I don't even know which way you're going here, but yes. I do. I, I might. I'm Team Foles right now. You know, we, I think we this morning we found out Foles got that million dollar bonus. I'm Team Foles. Your Team Foles, John? How? Oh, no, I, I cannot. This is this is shocking to me. I've had nothing but people going, "Ken, you're stupid. Ken, you're drunk." Ken, are you snowed in? Are you just drunk, and that's the way it is. I'm thinking. Now wait a minute here. Now the the million dollars. John, you got to agree with me. That's just good business, right? Because you're going to get hammered for that if you don't give him the million bucks. He's four snaps short. You got to give him the million, don't you? Oh, th- I mean, the guy won a Super Bowl for you. He saved the city of Philadelphia. They should give him like five million, uh, but obviously a million, I think, is all his contract would allow. So yeah, you absolutely had to give it to him. Okay, so if, if you give him that money, John, and then you think about it on the other end, you give him that money. Now you could say that that starts to play with it a little bit. Just think about this. If you, you're going to have to pay Carson Wentz anyway, I'd say you'd be able to get good draft picks out of Carson Wentz. Could you not protect yourself if Nick Foles were to go belly up, be able to trade up, go after one of the top three quarterbacks in next year's draft, and still you probably be, you, you'd be a little you'd be a little worse off for the right now, but you still might be better off for the future because you don't know if Carson Wentz is ever going to be healthy enough to take you back to the promised land. If Howie Roseman wasn't already the Eagles general manager, I would say just give the job to you because that's a pretty solid game plan in my book. That's saying, hey, look, Carson Wentz is a bad back. We've seen quarterbacks with bad backs. You wake up in the morning, you can't walk. That's not something you want to worry about if you're an NFL team, if your quarterback can't function for a game because he's having back spasms. Nick Foles is a safe choice. Nick Foles won you a Super Bowl. And, yes, you wasted a pick. But if you told Eagles fans, hey, you're going to get a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, Two years ago, they wouldn't have cared what you did with Carson Wentz. John Breach joining us on the show. Find him on Twitter at John Breach. Okay. Um, who are you picking in the AFC championship game? Is it Tom Brady and the Patriots, or is it the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes? I hate picking against the Patriots because every time I do it, blows up in my face. But I'm picking against the Patriots. I don't think they can go into Kansas City. I don't think they can outscore Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Chiefs' offense just puts up points and unstoppable and the Patriots have been so bad on the road this year I'm just not sure how they can win 
So they really are underdogs then, right, the Patriots? I, you know, it's a funny – underdog used to be <laughs> such an easy word to describe. But now here are the Patriots claiming they're underdogs. It's a little murkier. I think they are allowed to say they're underdogs. Obviously, they are in Vegas. But when you've got eight straight AFC championships, you're not an underdog for anything. See, well, okay. I, I know what you're saying there, but hear me out. I, I thought about this at the beginning of the show. I'm not trying to just be uh, not trying to be contradicting just to be contradicting. However, <laughs> or a contrarian to be a contrarian. But I, I know they just say, well, you've been to eight straight championships again, whatever. But if you were talked about as being Tom Brady was falling apart at the at halfway through the year, Rob Gronkowski, who quite literally was falling apart halfway through the year, now we're wondering whether or not he's going to be uh, still in the NFL next year. We keep talking about things coming to an end with the Patriots, and they continue to go back to the AFC Championship game. In turn, if you were with the Patriots for all this time, like Julian Edelman has been, it would probably put a chip on my shoulder after a while that, my God, we've continued this this land of unrivaled success, and you still count us out halfway through the year, and then by the time they get to the AFC Championship game, well, it's the Patriots. You can never count against the Patriots. What idiot would count against the Patriots when we could probably play back on myself even halfway through the year saying that the Patriots were done? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the Patriots, if they can find a reason to play with a chip on their shoulder, they're going to do it. I mean, we saw uh, them playing Kansas City a few years ago when the Chiefs beat them 41-14, and that whole week everyone spent talking about, hey, is Tom Brady washed up? Is his career over? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? The pa- they went to the Super Bowl. And so now they're underdogs. They're going to milk this for all it's worth. And, you know, that is not surprising at all. That's what I was expecting to do. Brady's another guy that loves to find any way to play with him on his shoulder. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Him, Edelman, they're going to have the edge on Sunday that we probably haven't seen from them in a while. John Breach with us on the show. Find him on Twitter, at John Breach, CBS Sports. Who wins uh, between the Rams and the Saints? I would love to say the Rams. I went to Miami of Ohio. Sean McVay went to Miami of Ohio. I hate picking really? against Sean McVay. But the Saints at home in the playoffs is just one of those things that you can't pick against. So I'm, I'm all on the same bandwagon here. You went to Miami of Ohio. You're from Nashville, aren't you? Uh, I live in Nashville, but I am from Cincinnati. I will be dipped. I had no idea. Would you hear that from John Breach, everybody? So who again are you picking? I just want to write this down. Saints bandwagon. I'm going with New Orleans. If they... Okay. Now, I'm hearing a couple of things. I brought up the Cowboys earlier. Is there a chance Sean Payton ends his career with any other team other than the Saints? I think that Sean Hayden is going to coach the Saints until Drew Brees decides to retire, and then at that point, I could see Sean Payton going anywhere. So, uh, oh, so after if Drew Brees retires, Sean Payton will go anywhere. That that is my theory, and I think I mean if if the Saints win the Super Bowl, maybe Brees rides off into the sunset. But I don't think he's going to play more than you know two more years, and then after he's done, if you're Sean Payton, there's no reason to stick around, and maybe mm-hmm. that's when you go to Dallas. Well, because I, I, what, what, how good of a quarterback do you think Dak Prescott is? I think he is good enough to take the Cowboys to the playoffs. And I think with a creative offensive mind, which I do not think is in Dallas right now, mm-hmm. uh, I think they could be really good. He could be really good. Okay, so that would be enough to sell Sean Payton? Uh, yeah, I do think that offense has enough talent to sell Sean Payton, especially you think about stays in New Orleans for one or two more years. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel, still in the prime, probably still have Amari Cooper, so you probably still have a pretty strong offense if Peyton's there in two years. John Breach with us on the show. Uh, whose fault was it for the Steelers' demise? 
I would have to blame Antonio Brown. Look, I know some people want to throw Ben Roethlisberger under the bus, and I totally get that because he is not the best teammate in the world. But you just look at Antonio Brown's history since he's been there. I mean, he put their post-game locker room speech on Facebook Live a couple years ago. Uh, he's just been kind of a diva, and that's not the kind of teammate you want. So I think you definitely pin some blame on Ben Roethlisberger. But I would put about 75 to 80%, yeah, 75-80% on Antonio Brown. Where's the best place that he could end up for him, and what team do you think would have the best shot to get the best out of Antonio Brown? Well, I think the best place for the Steelers, they would be crazy to send him to an AFC team that they might play often, so – uh, that would just be – that would blow my mind if they sent him to an AFC team. So I think we have to go to the NFC. And I think this whole courtship thing with the 49ers, which has gotten kind of crazy over the past couple of weeks, probably makes the most sense. The 49ers do have Kittle, but they don't have a, a true number one receiver. They're mm-hmm. going to have Jimmy Garoppolo, and that team will mm-hmm. just be able to throw the ball over the field if they could somehow get him. What do you think the price is for Antonio Brown? He'll be 31, correct? Uh, yes. I think so. Let's yes. See. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so what's the price? Uh, I mean, you just look at the numbers he's put up the last few years. I think the Steelers are going to want at least one first round. I mean, they might get crazy and ask too, because that's how negotiations are. You start high and, and see where it goes from there. But I think they're going to want to get at least one first round pick out of this deal. John Breach with us on the show. I could, I could see that. Is this the beginning of the end for the Steelers as we know them, or will they be back in the playoffs in 2019? You know, this is the thing that with the Steelers, there's always this continuity plan. But now it's like Ben Roethlisberger is at the tail end of his career. Antonio Brown might be leaving. Le'Veon Bell already left. Uh, the owner, Art Rooney, wouldn't even – he wouldn't back up and give a vote of confidence to Mike Tomlin and say, hey, yeah, we're going to give Mike Tomlin an extension. His contract expires in 2019. So it does kind of feel like for the first time in forever, the team is kind of falling apart and the Browns look so good. The Ravens look good. Uh, you know, I do not think if I had to bet right now that the Steelers are going to be in the playoffs next season. So does this put Mike Tomlin on the hot seat, or is this a situation where he will coach as long as he wants to coach in Pittsburgh? Because so many people out there, you know, I listen to 93.7 every now and then. I was listening this week. So many people want him fired. And everybody I talk to, nope, there's no chance. Don't even worry about it. I definitely think he's on the hot seat in 2019. You can't miss. Uh, the playoffs two seasons in a row in Pittsburgh. I know we saw that, I think, in 2012, 2013. But he had just come off a Super Bowl appearance, which Mm -hmm. definitely buys you a little bit of leeway. Uh, You don't get that leeway when it's been a while. And so I think if they do not make the playoffs in 2019, he's going to be on the hot seat all season next year. And if they go 6-10, 7-9, don't make the postseason, it wouldn't be surprising to see them move on. John Breach joining us on the show. Make sure you find him on Twitter, at John Breach. Uh, Maroon 5, they will be playing halftime of the Super Bowl. Good or bad, who would you like to see at halftime of the Super Bowl? That is a fantastic <laughs> question. Uh, yeah, you know is. what? I like that they got big boy in there. You definitely needed some uh, Atlanta talent. So I'm okay because Maroon 5, that means they're aware of their audience. They're aware of the city they're in, the crowd they're playing. And so that is what is important if you're a performer. And so I think they're going to put on a show with everyone combined with Travis Scott. Uh, so I'm actually looking forward to it. I know there's not a lot. A lot of people don't like Maroon 5. I've seen some neg- negative reaction on Twitter, but I think they'll be a lot better than people are giving them credit for. 
And if it was uh, a dream halftime performance, and I'll tell you that I was at a Bengals game once, and there were monkeys riding dogs catching Frisbees. And if that was a Super Bowl halftime show, that would blow my mind. They had that one time at a the Washington Nationals. Harrisburg Senators, that's what it was. I was doing minor league baseball. They had it at the Harrisburg Senators. It was amazing. It was absolutely it amazing. amazing. My God. John, it's a pleasure, my friend. Take care. Oh, okay, well, by the way, then who wins Super Bowl 53 before I let you go? Uh, Super Bowl 53, I think it is Chiefs, Saints, and I think the Chiefs win and Patrick Mahomes wins Super Bowl MVP, the regular MVP, and uh, gets crowned best player of all time. Hot stuff. Thank you very much, John. Take care. All right. Have a good one, Ken. Thanks for having me. The great John Breach on the hotline. CBS Sports Radio, CBS Sports NFL writer. Follow him on Twitter at John Breach. Like what he said about Maroon 5. I don't have a problem with Maroon 5. Remember, they got to go with somebody safe. And Travis Scott, it's not your average hip-hop artist where, you know, you get up there, you get the mic, you have the white T-shirt in the hand, and you kind of just lead everybody in the sing-along. He actually puts together a really good show. So I think you're going to like Travis Scott more than you think you might like Travis Scott. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227, Let them transfer and play whenever they want. You can cleanse your soul by doing so, college football. Up next, it's five burning questions on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Are we ready, Tom? We are absolutely ready. Let me have it. Come on, big sexy. Five burning questions. Let's do it. All right. I'm sorry to start here, but I have to. According okay. to NFL.com, the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury spent all day yesterday uh, interviewing Judas Priest. This is a troll question. Your Why? buddy, you know, Hugh Jackson, for their offensive coordinator position. Kingsbury is. Oh, my God. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll get to the question. Don't worry. Kingsbury has already hired former Broncos head coach Vance Joseph to serve as defensive coordinator. Do we already have enough information to think that the Kingsbury era in Arizona is completely doomed? If you got Hugh Jackson around, it probably is. So, got to tell you, if you're a Cardinals fan, I would be wary. Uh, There's only so much I can say without being feared of being sued. Uh, I don't think he's a good football coach, and I don't think that he's very good for anybody's football team. And I wouldn't hire him to run my middle school team, let alone an NFL offense. Why would he? Why even is interview that, him? I don't understand. Is that good enough for you? Yeah, I think that answers the question. Okay, good. Um, I'm just, you know, I just, I just need to make it abundantly clear. I didn't put it out because some people are like, okay, God, we always talk about Hugh Jackson around here. I'm not trying to talk about Hugh Jackson. That was your question, he's not le- mine. Legitimately in the news somehow. Because you know why he still gets a shot? This is another part where NFL coaching is just incestuous. You will always get a shot. That's why it's so different that it, it's so difficult to hear a coach to get a coach to say something negative about another coach because they all work together at some point and they're all going to need each other for jobs because you, you got to have good players to have success. These guys have been, you had 15 coaches get fired over the last two years. How many coaches are they hiring now? Seven? This season, eight this season, how many were up for jobs? Eight, eight? I believe, yeah. Eight, eight jobs. Out of those jobs, six to seven will only last three years. We understand that. We need to understand that now. So these guys are on how many different staffs? They're moving all about the country. You're not going to get guys to say anything that's negative. Even if you have bad feelings towards a guy, you're going to keep quiet because you might need a job someday. 
a la Hugh Jackson. You knew I knew Hugh Jackson was still going to be in the NFL after all this. I knew he would be. I wanted him to be the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals because I wanted the last the the last images of him as a head coach to not be with the Cleveland Browns so we could wash some of the, and we can't wash it all off, he was here for two and a half years, to wash some of the stink off of ourselves and move into a new era with Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens and good football players, not the stink of Hugh Jackson. I'm not going to get my wish. He'll probably never be a head coach again because if he's not going to be a head coach in Cincinnati, he'll probably never be a head coach anywhere. But the guy is a bad football coach. He is not a good planner. And I don't believe, again, I wouldn't let him run my middle school team, let alone run an NFL offense. He wanted to trade a second and a third for A.J. McCarron to the old team who ended up coaching for the very next year. That's borderline treasonous. Between two teams that, by the way, have never made a trade with each other in the history of the two teams. Hopefully that highlights the feelings enough. Next. I think it covers it. It is the year Good. of the high-profile quarterback transfer in college football, at least the offseason of the QB transfer. Brandon Wimbush to UCF from Notre Dame. Jalen Hurts to Oklahoma from Alabama. Justin Fields to Ohio State. And Tate Martell to Miami. Which is the most exciting, and which do you think will have the biggest impact? Ken? I think they're all exciting. I really do. I think Tate Martell is going to have a good, exciting burst for for the Miami Hurricanes. I, I think he's a guy. It, it was he was put in a tough position at Ohio State because I, obviously I have to watch a lot of Ohio State games, all of them. And the problem is, is that every time he came in, Dwayne Haskins is a shotgun, big arm throw it all over the football field off a quarterback. Tate Martell isn't that guy. But every time Tate Martell would come in, you were damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If he kept it on a keeper, well, of course you have to keep it on a keeper, and everybody in the stadium knew because it was Tate Martell back there at quarterback. If you handed the ball off in a run-pass option and you actually handed the ball off and took the option, then it was, what the hell are they doing? You have Tate Martell back there for a reason. That's to run with the football. So there was no good answer for Ohio State with Tate Martell in that situation. Now you have Justin Fields coming to Ohio State. Uh, he's a very talented quarterback. We'll see how that one works. What was the other one you brought? The 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 Jalen Hurts. Hurts. Yeah, yeah. Wimbush, Wimbush is fun. I think that the Jalen Hurts one is very interesting in Oklahoma. This one I think is going to be a test because Kyler Murray can throw it a little bit. The only big question was for Jalen Hurts, can he really run and conduct an offense and throw the off and throw the ball around? We're going to find out whether or not it was really Lincoln Riley or whether or not it was those other two quarterbacks. We'll see so with Jalen Hurts. I bet he'll obviously find some success because he still is a very successful quarterback. So we can try to divide ourselves and make those make those conversations happen between Hurts and Oklahoma and Murray and Mayfield and with Lincoln Riley. But I think the best, most fun is going to be Tate Martell in Miami. The kid's got an ego. The kid can be brash. It's just shooting fish in a barrel. Miami is a team that I've hated in the past. They're a team that I've loved in the past. There's no third direction. College football is better when Miami football is better. I want them to be good so I can hate them, so I can care about them. And so I I wish Tate Martell sincere success with the University of Miami. I hope they hit the ground running this year. Next. Last night, the Warriors became the first team since the 1975-76 Boston Celtics to put out a starting lineup made entirely of all-stars from the previous season. Uh, for the Celtics in 75-76, it was JoJo White, Charlie Scott, Dave Cowens, Paul Silas, and John Havlicek. So are the Warriors currently fielding the greatest starting five in NBA history? 
<laughs> yeah. If it's the greatest assembly of talent ever, then yes, right? I know. Uh, you know what you're going to do to me, Tom. What's the that? old head. The old heads are going to get in. You want to upset your uncle? Go tell him that. <laughs> go tell him that his favorite player from the '60s couldn't be the sixth man on on an NBA team now. Well, not go. You well. know. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to upset Grandpa? You want to upset your uncle? Go tell him that. I think obviously it is. It's a great assembly of talent. Boogie Cousins said the hate thing. I want to get into that coming up here in a bit. But, uh, yeah, I think it is a great assembly of talent. That's why I still, it's like, I know everybody's thinking that Golden State, they have their problems. I know that people aren't really afraid of them anymore. Draymond's having a rough year. They're giving him tons of space. Draymond is getting, like, 12 feet to do whatever he wants on the perimeter because they just, like, fine, you go ahead and shoot. I don't care. Uh, teams don't see them the way they do it anymore. And I think part of that, and let me think if I can run this past you here. When the, when the Warriors first came in, it was just an offense to our senses because of the threes that they that they shot. Now, Houston shot seventy threes the other night, seventy. Everybody's playing the way Golden State is, so eventually other teams are going to catch up. But the overall talent, I, I don't care. It's simply better. Next. NASCAR Hall of Famers Richard Petty and Dale Inman recently discussed the under-the-radar greatness of seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson. Here is the discussion, courtesy of NBC Sports. I don't think Jimmy's ever got the credit that he deserved for as doing a driver it, right? for winning seven championships. Yeah. yeah, Maybe Chad's got a little bit more. No disrespect to Chad or nothing. Yeah. He's got a little bit more credit, but I never thought Jimmy got as much as he deserved. His personality didn't push it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or some... Other personalities push, push what they done. I pushed mine. I think Earnhardt pushed his. Yeah. And Jimmy just said it's there and just let it be. Read the record, and that's what I am. Yeah, right. yeah. Is Jimmy Johnson overlooked or underrated in the pantheon of American athletes? I absolutely think so. That audio courtesy NBC Sports, NBC Sports Network, and NASCAR. I'm glad that you brought this up because I think with Jimmy Johnson, and you know I am a NASCAR fan, NASCAR is in a very t- tough spot right now. You're losing sponsors. You're losing money hand over fist. Brian, Fance, Brian France is an absolute disaster uh, as a I get president of NASCAR. They don't have unions or a commissioner or anything like that. Uh, if I were to do NASCAR, if I was to think about NASCAR, either get the team owners to somehow find a way to buy the whole thing and then establish something like you have with other sports, see if you can work on it that way, or have somebody else buy the thing and see if you can do something better with it because they are in real trouble right now. But with Jimmy Johnson, I feel the same way. In times, Richard Petty has been criticized for strong words against some of the other younger generations of drivers. I think him and Dale Inman, who's has to be the greatest crew chief who ever lived, Save for some of the open wheel stuff. I know. Sorry for the one fans. I think that these guys are right about this. And it's the same thing I'm going to bring up with Kyler Murray and just about an hour from now. If you're not at the top, if you're not football, you need stars. This is what the NBA gets. Push stars. People know about Giannis. They might not know how to pronounce his name. They know about the guy, and they know that he's incredible. They know about Anthony Davis. We have conversations about Anthony Davis. They play... New Orleans is well-known, sorry, is one of the worst markets in the NBA. Milwaukee is a good market from a we're fans of the Bucks standpoint, but there has been some criticisms before. But they're in mid-market areas, and they have players that are known. 
and you have players because you're able to push those guys because they're that good and you become stars, and then the NBA does a good job of promoting those stars. Baseball, you have guys like Mike Trout who are changing the history of the game, and people wouldn't know him if he came up to him and punched him in the face. And in NASCAR, when you have a guy like Jimmy Johnson, where's your personality? You need personality to drive this. NASCAR has always been, and if they did it right, always would be, a wild man's game. Wily-eyed, crazy guys who came up the hard way. Dale Earnhardt Sr. had a ninth-grade education, became a millionaire a bunch times over, one of the greatest, most iconic brands that we've ever seen in professional sports, and I mean that, based on that. That's the American dream. There are far more people who can resonate with Dale Earnhardt who was poorly educated, not very bright when it came to book learning, and obviously was not the best husband and father throughout his life. He, he made mistakes. People resonated with that. He embodied the American dream. Richard Petty embodied the American dream that way. He had a brand. He has the hat. He's got the sunglasses. He's known as the king. Jimmy Johnson is the greatest driver we've ever seen, one of the greatest drivers we've ever seen. And when you look across motorsport in general across the world, one of the greatest drivers we've ever seen. Where's your personality? What do I know about Jimmy Johnson that I didn't know two decades ago? Nothing. Nothing. That's sad. You can't do that as a sport. You can't do that if you're NASCAR. You can't do that if you're baseball. Next. I think that's it, Ken. Oh, is that it? All right, we'll do it that way. All right, we got Chris Lepresti coming up next. And also, let them transfer. Let them play whenever they want. College football will be even better and they'll be able to cleanse their soul. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, Kendall Gammon will join us. He's the radio analyst for the Kansas City Chiefs. Ask him what it's like to work with the great Mitch Holtis, who's one of my favorite play-by-play guys ever, and I mean that sincerely, Kansas City. 855-2124-CBS. I don't know how you can lose an, an introductory press conference, but I think Adam Gase did it. Here's Adam Gase the other day. The number one thing for me was a young quarterback, you know, and I, and I also think the knowledge of playing these guys over the last three years, and that was interesting for me to stay in division when you, when you know your opponents right out the gate and you've been on one of the other teams that you're not going to end up playing. That's Adam Gase at his introductory press conference. That's about as good as the press conference got the other day. <laughs> Because everything else just became, why is his eyes doing that thing? What the hell is his eyes doing? Like Adam Gase, he sat down. There was a moment where he he finished off a sentence, and then it basically hit him like, oh, my God, I, I signed on to be the head coach of the Jets. And then he's asked another question, and he kind of gives this, like, turn, and then his eyes get even more open. And he honestly reminded me, and I'm sure a lot of guys can sympathize with this. You remember when you were 16 years old and you were smoking some dope in your room and your mom would come in? And you give her this look like, I'm not high. What are you? Hello, mother. How are you doing today? Like, that's the way Adam Gase looked. He looked like me, like 15, 16-year-old Ken, blowing smoke out the window. Then all of a sudden, mom wanted to read me some excerpt from Chicken Soup for the Soul. I'm blowing it through the dryer sheet. She comes in. Hello, mother. How are you doing this afternoon? 
What a ba- like there are there are bad press conferences, and usually it's over bad things. The Browns fired a guy one time, and a guy in the media read a Facebook comment to the owner of the Browns and said to his face, basically, that they look like the Three Stooges up there. I've been there for bad press conferences. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Like, he did look like a character from Men in Black. Like, he maybe not be real. And Jets fans, it just, it it all it did was start to confirm some of their fears that they had against Adam Gase. Now, I thought Adam Gase, Adam Gase good, is a good offensive mind. I think so. Adam Gase has been good with good quarterbacks in the past. And honestly, you know, he's not that for 23 and 25 with the, with the Dolphins for three years. He had Ryan Tannehill. He had Jay Cutler, who basically did not care whatsoever, could take it or leave it, and only played for the $10 million. Yet Matt Moore, who's probably better than Jay Cutler in a lot of ways, and Ryan Tano got hurt a whole bunch of times. You might as well have had Cleo Lemon or John Beck or any one of those other guys. Jay Fiedler probably would have worked out better for him. So I can make an argument, and yeah, he's a good offensive mind. But that press conference, when I heard Peter Schwartz last week saying, man, all we got was the Dolphins garbage, and then he goes on, he does that, and goes, ooh, that doesn't do anything to make anybody feel better. Tom. Yes, sir. How you feeling today about your Jets? I can't say that I'm feeling great. It's a weird one because the New York intro presser has become a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of just like the media showing up just to feast on whoever it is. And you remember the McAdoo from a couple of years ago, Giants intro was a disaster. Also, even it's even spilled over into baseball. Mickey Calloway had a really weird intro presser last year. With Why don't you guys do it right there in New York? Like everywhere else. We're looking for blood, Ken. That's see, the problem. The, the, you're you going to find it if you're looking for it. You guys do your press conferences wrong. Your introductory press conference, there's a meeting of the press, but then you put your your staff around the press. So when the general manager or owner, usually a general manager, like introduces them, you know, the next head coach of the New York Jets, it's an honor and a pleasure to welcome in Adam Gase. And everybody stands and, yeah, yeah, woo! You know, they 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 whoop it up for him. Like, it's Andre the Giant coming out. And so there's a part where it kind of cools off the people who might be asking him some strong questions. That's how you do a press conference. You don't just, uh, here's Adam Gase, and he's the next head coach of this complete and utter sinking ship. Kind of looked like a hostage situation, like he was Did there against not, his it, will. He was trying to blink Moore's code saying, get me out of here, Stephen Ross. <laughs> what have you done to me? And I don't hate the hire. I don't love the hire, but I'm definitely not one of these people that hates the hire is all upset at the team. Which, but, <laughs> let me but, ask you, no, hold yeah, on, hold on. Let ahead. me ask you a question. Please. And I might throw it out there. 855-2124-CBS. Which press conference was worse? Adam Gase accepting the job as the Jets or Bill Belichick saying he was leaving the New York Jets? I think Bill Belichick's press conference was better. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was an that's epic an moment argument. in NFL that's history. Not, that's not an argument from you. I can't. I, I get no argument. I just I, <laughs> no argument. That was epic. What a horrible press conference. Okay, go ahead with what you were going to say. I just don't know what to really make of this situation right now, especially because their GM is also on shaky footing. It's possible that this is a one-year experiment with Gase, and he better win right now. Or they really have no idea what they're doing, and they're giving McCagnan now like a three-year lease with Gase because they let I him guess. hire Gase. 
I just I'm not sure what to make of the whole situation, and it's a press conference is never going to help. I need to see oh. what they look like on the field. I don't even know who's well, going to be on the team oh, next year, Ken. It's it's a total overreaction, Tom. I know that. I I know totally. It's a total overreaction because the Jets and Gaze a, a, a bad press conference. He can go 12 and four next year, some way somehow. No one's going to care about the press conference. Uh, it is a lot of jokes, tongue in cheek, for crying out loud. Here, let's be serious here. I do think he can do good offensively. I just don't understand the eye stuff, and then I don't understand. Boy, he was on with Michael Kay in New York out there because they're the flagship, right? Ninety-eight-seven. That's right. Yeah. Okay, I know. Yeah, I know it's a competitor, whatever. But um, well, he came off confrontational with Michael Kay. He is confrontational. And Why? That's, Why? 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 He needs to grow Why? up real fast. But if he doesn't, he's not going to last here. At Buddy, all, you catch fighting more f- the media here is not going to work. I, like, okay, and I in all in all, I'll pull the curtain away because you know I'm on on Sunday nights, and a lot of those folks know. Maybe people don't know on Saturday. I host the coaches show for the Browns. So I got along very well with Mike Pettin. I got along very well with Rob Chudzinski. I never really got a chance to talk to Pat Shermer in that setting. Pat Shermer and I, I, I did like Pat Shermer. He seemed reasonable and a nice enough guy. Um, And I think that I'm going to really like Freddie Kitchens. I was watching that press conference. I'm going, thank God we didn't hire Adam Gase. Thank God. Thank God. I, I was cringing. And then I heard him with Michael Kay, and I was even more nervous. I go, I, can't, I, I, would, I don't, wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do. Because, again, when you think you've had to, all right, coach, we welcome you in. Thanks for joining us. Getting ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, and we are 0-11. We got to start going up. Like, I've been through an 0-16 season with a coach's show. I wouldn't know how to go after that and then start in with Adam Gase and have any sort of fun whatsoever. So from the bottom of my heart, like Adam Gase is still, again, he's, he's probably a good football coach, probably. Uh, probably a good offensive mind, probably. I thank God. I want to thank the Johnson family from the bottom of my heart for hiring Adam Gase and not even giving the Browns a thought about it. Tom, sincerely. You're welcome. I don't Again, I don't I don't know what oh, else to yeah. say. And the thing, the weird thing for me as a Jets fan is that I just, I didn't even think there was a right answer. Like, I didn't think McCarthy was the right answer unless they were going to somehow convince Dabo Sweeney well, to I take tried his to job. Talk, I tried to talk Peter off the ledge last week. I'm saying, man, he's a good offensive mind. Now, the Browns couldn't hire him because of the whole Peyton Manning thing. And if you notice, now, I'm not sure. Was there, there was one of the Johnson family was up there on the dais when they hired Adam Gase, right? Yes. See, the thing has become where... The Browns have been such a mess over the last six years, and they're trying to change that perception, and Baker Mayfield's a big part of that. Did you notice Jimmy Haslam and nobody from the Haslams were up there on the dais until they took pictures at the very end, at the at the end of everything? No, It was John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens. He, Jimmy, Jimmy Haslam was nowhere to be found. It's a little strange. Well, no, it's not. But it's a to good me, idea, yeah. To me, and I brought this up earlier this week, I think that's a guy who's figuring himself out that he cares about the what the fans think. People don't believe that. He does, sometimes maybe too much, but he understands that if his handprints, even though he's the guy who signs the checks, if his fingerprints are all over it, then automatically it puts the new head coach behind the eight ball. He understands that. And so I actually like that move. But when it comes from press conferences, if there's Jets fans, just relax. It was goofy looking. It was one of the weirdest things I think I've ever seen in a press conference. But I think that everything else, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. Eight five five two one two four cbs You have Jalen 
Hurts, who's able to transfer to, to, Oklahoma, or to Oklahoma. You have Tate Martell, who's able to transfer to Miami. You've had a couple of other transfers. Justin Fields was able to transfer. And I got a couple of people asking the question, why do they transfer and why are they able to get that eligibility the very next year? There's questions of recruiting coming around. There's questions of whether or not the scholarships are there. I want to put this in, and I know we got Kendall Gammon coming up next, but I, I need to make this point abundantly clear. College football right now, you have to prove that there's a hardship. You have to prove that there's an ineligibility problem. You have to prove that there's a lot of things that go down the line for you to be able to get that first year back. And we've seen social media, and Dennis Dodd, I loved what he wrote because he so correctly documented this. When Austin Kendall was blocked by Oklahoma, social media got involved, and now Austin Kendall's able to go to West by God and is probably going to be able to play next year. There's so many things that can happen. And I look at college football, when there was the term gray shirting, and you were willing to make a kid put a year of his life on the shelf so he could play for you, you could do a lot to cleanse your soul. It's not the end-all, be-all. You're still going to ask guys to be paid. You're still going to call for people to be paid. They're still going to say that they should benefit from their likeness. But for the NCAA, this is one step towards being able to cleanse yourself and say, listen, if we start to pay you, this goes down a rabbit hole and we start to close up programs. And no matter how many people disbelieve that, it's absolutely 100% true that programs would suffer. But we can offer you this. And if you're telling me that if Oklahoma gets back to the college football playoff and Alabama does, Jalen Hurts against his old team, who isn't watching that? Who isn't watching if Tate Martell in Miami goes hog wild some way, somehow, and plays against Ohio State again? It's better for college football. It's better for my entertainment. And it's a way to cleanse your soul. They only have so much time. If you can't give them money, give them time. Kendall Gammon coming up next. We preview Chiefs and Patriots. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.